try to play, but you're never gonna beat me. Look the other way, what I'm doing ain't easy. What is going on, everyone? This is Drew Code Sports Talk, and I am your host, Andrew Wright. And as you can see, unfortunately, I am not joined by my co-host, as he is on his way back home traveling. Uh, he went to San Francisco uh, earlier this week, and he is on his way back. So unfortunately, it is just me today. So looking forward to this episode, though. Uh, there is a lot of sports to talk about. There is... Um, NBA, there's MLB, there's a little bit of golf. Hopefully, maybe I'll get a chance to talk a little F1 as well since Cody isn't here. So I am super excited about today's episode. So you're going to want to listen. You're going to want to watch. Trust me, it's going to be a great episode. So stay here. Let me be back after the intro. So he's been looking for somebody who could save him Instead of searching inside for what they gave him A strong will, strong mind Alright guys, yes Again, as I already mentioned I am very sorry, but it is just me today um, Again, Cody is uh, traveling So unfortunately he is not going to be joining us this week But we have a ton to talk about uh, there's a lot of exciting news that uh, we have as well. Um, we have uh, booked uh, from the back seat uh, a sports podcast. We have booked them. They are going. Excuse me. They are going to join our uh, our show. I believe this next week. So um, we're really looking forward to recording and as well. They are also going to uh, have us on their show. And as I looked on TikTok today, it looks like they just found out that we are Raiders fans. And from my understanding, uh, one of them is a Chargers fan and the other is a Bengals fan. So we have a lot to talk about. We have uh, a lot of there's a lot of bragging going on. Probably the Bengals fan is going to have the more uh, the bigger bragging rights. But I think this offseason, the Raiders can chirp a little bit and possibly the Chargers as well. So. That's going to be super fun and uh, look really looking forward to talking a lot of baseball with them. Um, very knowledgeable of baseball and, uh, you know, I'm super excited. I love talking baseball, as you guys have known uh, since you have been listening. So super excited about everything that is going on for Drew Code. Um, and we also um, got a shout out uh, from another podcast as well. So we appreciate all the love and support that we've that we've gotten from uh, man from a ton of uh, podcasts. Oh, the podcast that shouted us out this past week was um, uh, the, I believe it's from the Side Door uh, podcast. So uh, appreciate um, appreciate them shouting us out and uh, looking forward to uh, everything that is happening for us. So. Before I get into everything about uh, that is sports, um, there I just want to, as you can see on the screen, if you are watching on YouTube, um, all of our um, social media uh, names are uh, are up there. So please go check us out and follow us. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, uh, all that good stuff. So go check us all out. Um, we always want to hear from you. Like, uh, you know. Uh, not subscribe, but <laughs> that would be podcasting. Um, but, um, you know, follow us on all the social media sites, interact with us. We always want to hear from you. Uh, speaking of which, there was someone who uh, commented on our NFC South um, 
uh, TikTok where we predicted uh, who we thought was going to win the NFC South. Someone came at me because I picked the Saints to go 5-12. and 12. Listen, I don't agree with it either. Um, you know, he said 11-6. and six. I, I, To be perfectly honest, I think that's a little crazier than mine. But you know what? I don't know the Saints too well. Um, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't even know if Michael Thomas is going to be there. Dennis Allen, I don't believe in. So uh, you can call me a critic. That's fine. Uh, if I get it wrong, I already said I probably was going to get it wrong anyway. Um, but 11 and 6, I think that's pushing it, man. But you know what? Um, I appreciate you coming at me and appreciate you, um, uh, you know, giving us your opinion and then giving us your predictions. So I do appreciate that that person uh, you know, came at me and then also, um, you know, was, was man enough to come out and give us his predictions. And so I fully appreciate that at all times. So thank you so much. All right, guys. So let's get started here. Um, there is a lot, as I have said, there's a lot to talk about, but one thing I did want to mention as well, we're going to do AFC South that was supposed to be today. But again, like I said, Cody is not here doesn't feel right uh, doing it without him. So we are going to do that next week. So our predictions will continue next week. And uh, hopefully we should be able to finish before I go on vacation. Uh, but we will see uh, if that works out. <laughs> so we will keep you updated on all of that. Because um, I should be able to know beforehand. Unlike Cody, this was kind of an unforeseen trip for him. So that's why we weren't really able to uh, say it ahead of time. So sorry about that if you were looking forward to the AFC South predictions. But uh, we will we will continue that next week. So let's talk a little bit about the NBA. And specifically the NBA draft that has just happened. Um, the NBA draft, listen, is it was it was really interesting to see all the draft picks. Now we're we're gonna go into pick one through five. I, I think those are the main ones. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, Lakers pick and then uh, one of the uh, Fresno State players uh, that we ha- that Cody and I have watched a few times. Um, obviously, living here in Fresno. Um, he was actually not drafted, so I'm going to kind of predict where I think he may end up going. Uh, there's quite a few teams, but I think there's a one team in particular that could really, really use him and actually would add some depth to what they already do. So I will go into all of that. But let's talk about the main draft picks first. Um, of course... Everyone, probably by now, by the time that this comes out. Now, I am just recording this. The draft literally just ended. So I am recording this as the draft has just finished. So, uh, yes, this is live time for me. Uh, For you guys, this is probably more or less the, um, uh, you know, two days later type thing. So I am sorry about that. But I did want to talk about the Orlando Magic ended up getting the first pick. And they drafted Paolo Banchero from Duke. Now, um, Paolo is a a son of a formal, former WNBA player. Um, and, um, basically his mom taught him kind of how the game goes. I know he, um, he was in a Jamal Crawford, uh, basketball camp. I mean, he, he just grew up doing everything basketball. So this kid is, is really skilled in what he does. 
This kid um, obviously went to Duke for a reason. I know there are a lot of people who hate Duke. I am not one of those people. I actually really uh, appreciate and love what Duke uh, produces and brings out of kids. So um, I, for one, am a Duke fan when it comes to that. Um, And to be perfectly honest, I think a lot of that obviously is Coach K. But these kids come to Duke not only for Coach K, but to kind of understand, okay, let me get a little bit of taste of maybe what the NBA could potentially be like for me. Um, And I think the other – I think it was crazy because Manchero was probably predicted at the number three, number four pick. Maybe some people saw him falling at number five. Um, And he was the first pick. And I actually like this pick. At first I was kind of like, what? What are we talking about? I thought Jabari Smith was a was a shoe in for the first pick, um, but I actually really like this pick for the Orlando Magic. Now, listen, Orlando Magic has had a you know a top five pick. It seems like every single year, you know, they just got a, a top three pick last year in last year's draft. So this year they got the first pick, and a lot of people thought maybe Chet. But listen, the Orlando Magic are still a developing team. And they're kind of starting to get into a position where they could start actually winning a few more games. I'm not going to go as far as say to make a push for the playoff, but I think they're getting close. I think they're going to be not completely out of it next year, but not completely super close, if that makes sense. Um, and Benchero, what he ends up doing, he brings defense to the Orlando Magic, but he's a big guy. He's 6'10". He, out of out of the top three guys, Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, and Paolo Benchero, Benchero is the only guy that ended up um, looking his size. He looks like a 6'10". Guy, he's he's got some muscle on him. He he shows strength when he goes to uh, when he goes to the rack. He can pull up for three. He can pull up for a, a nice jumper. Whatever it is, he can pull up. And then he's a great defender. Uh, he doesn't have the longest arms of of all the guys, but he is a guy who can guard literally any position. He can guard the center. He can guard the point guard. He can guard literally any position. And he is going to be a asset an asset for the magic i love this pick and let's go to the number two pick because i'm going to bring uh vanchero kind of into this as well this is the second pick um by the oklahoma city thunder chet holmgren from gonzaga um i think everyone kind of knows this is the um seven foot you know two pounder guy um this guy weighs 191 pounds and he's seven feet tall so Let's just say he needs to eat a couple more hamburgers to um, actually really fill into his body. Um, But this kid is a shooter, and he's a good passer, and he actually is a pretty good defender. Now, can he get pushed around? Absolutely, he can get pushed around. And so this is why this is a good pick for the Thunder. He is a guy that you want to kind of probably minimize his minutes Don't let him play a ton, but play him a little bit to kind of get used to the game. But at the same time, you want him to develop. You want him to get stronger. You want him to get bigger. You want him to kind of um, add a little more weight to him and and obviously get used to that weight and 
um, how to play with that weight. So um, that's why I think he's going to be more of a project. But here's the thing. He is so scrawny. If he were drafted by the Magic, he would have to play for the Magic right now. So this is why this is a smart pick for Thunder. They have a a decent enough team to where they don't have to play Chet Holmgren every single game, or they don't have to have him in the starting in the starting lineup. They don't have to have him as um, a guy who is going to play all eighty-two games or however many they're going to end up playing pretty soon. Um, This is going to be a a project, and I think that's okay. I think. The uh, Oklahoma City Thunder did the right thing by getting a guy that they don't absolutely need to play. And again, he's very scrawny, and Benchero is a guy who's ready to play right now. I think Chet Holmgren will be ready to play in a couple of years where he's going to have to uh, continue to develop a little bit. And then the number three pick, who I also will um, actually kind of say is similar to Chet, was Jabari Smith Jr. from Auburn. He goes third overall to the Houston Rockets. And I think this is another smart pick. This guy is uh, as a kid who can play right now. He's a young guy. So, and you have a team where you're still developing. You're you're not ready to contend yet. You just picked up Jalen Green last year, who's been uh, especially this last uh, half of the year. Last year was phenomenal. I mean, he was scoring almost at will. And then you get a guy like Jabari Smith, a guy who can not only shoot, but he is a long defender he's probably got a longer wingspan than Chet Holmgren and he's actually two inches smaller than Chet Holmgren so this kid is really good but he is also a very scrawny kid and this is brings me back to my Paolo Benchero um, take is Benchero is more of an NBA ready now player than what Chet Holmgren and Jabari Smith are Smith is still pretty small too now he's not as small as Chet Holmgren but he is still very skinny. He hasn't developed all of his muscles yet. And so he's going to have to work very hard at that. And this is why this is a good pick, though. The Rockets have time to where they can play him a lot and he can still develop because he's more NBA-ready, in my opinion, than Chet Holmgren. Now, again, I, I like Chet Holmgren. I think Holmgren is one of those players who is going to be really good. We've seen a ton of skinny guys be successful in the league. We just saw Brandon Ingram have an all-star all-star year this past year. He's finally starting to get a little bit bigger. You know, uh, we've seen, obviously everyone has probably heard this already. Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant is notorious for saying, everyone was saying this guy is too skinny. This guy's too skinny. He's not going to make it in the NBA. He's going to get beat around. Listen, it worked out for him because he's a shooter. Well, guess what? Chet Holmgren is a shooter as well. Now I do think if you're seven feet and you're, under 200 pounds, that is not going to be a recipe for success. So he is going to have to beef up a little bit. But I do think he can in time. And what's great about him is he is a guy who can shoot. You don't have to uh, hope that he's going to go to the gym all the time and and uh, develop a shot. He's already has that. So all you have to do is focus on the rest. And uh, he's, he's a very good player. So that's what I like about um, Chet Holmgren. Now we have also seen how these skinny guys come in the league, and it's not great. I mean, Christoph Porzingis, yeah, he was skinny. He had some success, but he was constantly injured. Why? Because his body can't take a lot of the beating that he he did take. Um, I'm always reminded of Shane Bradley. Shane Bradley was actually a nice NBA player, um, but he was 7'6 and was just so skinny. He got beat around. I mean, Shaq dominated Shane Bradley, I mean, constantly. Um, it was almost kind of unfair. So, 
Um, the first three picks, I actually agree with. I thought they made sense for each three teams. Um, again, Paolo Banchero going to uh, the Magic, Chet Holmgren going to the Thunder, and then, of course, Jabari Smith going to the Rockets. Now let's get into the kind of big surprises, in my opinion. The fourth pick, Keegan Murray from Iowa goes to the Sacramento Kings. This one was, to say the least, a head scratch for me. I I don't really understand this one. Um, I felt like the Kings should have gone after Jaden Ivey. Now listen, I know Kings fans are pretty attached to uh, De'Aaron Fox, but let's be honest here. De'Aaron Fox is a good player. He's not a number one guy. He's not a guy who's going to completely change a franchise, as we've already seen. He really hasn't done much with the Kings. He's had some successful games. He's had a couple of successful years, but I would say more or less he's a better number two, maybe even a number three type of a guy. Um, he's just not the, the superstar that you were looking for. If they would have gotten Jaden Ivey, I think now you have a superstar, a guy who can create his own shot, a guy who can you can rely on at any time. And I'm going to talk to you about him in a second. But Keegan Murray, he's a good player. I, I don't want to, you know, bash Keegan Murray. I think I think he's a really good player, but I don't think he fits the Kings. And I think this is really not only is this setting up the Kings for even more failure, but I do also think that this is setting up Keegan Murray's career for a failure to be with the Kings because unfortunately you know, this kid is a, a good defender. He's, he's a good shooter, but he's not elite like the top three that we said, or the guy who was picked after him as I'm going to talk about him right now. And the fifth pick was Jaden Ivy from Purdue. Uh, he goes to the Detroit Pistons. Now I was a little shocked that the Pistons did pick him. I thought he might drop to the Pacers um, because I did feel like, um, you know, the Pistons just got Caden uh, Cunningham last year. Um, so now you're going to get two point guards. Now we do know that the NBA is kind of more going towards more of the small ball. So I do understand the pick them of saying, hey, we don't mind having two guards. We're just going to basically go small ball and we're OK with that. And if they're OK with that, then that's fine. Um, but Jaden Ivey, to me, and, I, and I'm being all serious, this guy was the most NBA-ready out of any of these players in the NBA draft. Chaden Ivey is, not only is he a guard, so he's already got a leg up in the NBA right now. He's a guy who can shoot it from anywhere. He is a guy who can get to the line. He is a guy that is not afraid of taking the big shot. He is a guy who will go at, defend, at defenders and make you work uh, to have him miss, the, miss his shot. But also, he is a guy who actually is pretty active on the defensive end. Now, is he as long as uh, Paolo Benchero? No, I, he's not as long. But Jaden Ivey, to me, is a guy that fits the NBA how uh, a guard should be fitting into the NBA. Jaden Ivey, to me, to a T, is the equivalent to what every NBA team needs. I felt like there should have been a team that should have at least traded into the top five to go get him, um, a.k.a. the Knicks. That would have been a really good job for the Knicks to go after, but unfortunately they didn't, and they ended up trading out of the first round, which I don't have time to talk about the Knicks, to be honest, but was crazy. So I'm very, I'm very shocked that Jaden Ivey goes to the Pistons, but this is actually going to be interesting to me. 
I'm kind of curious because I think Cade Cunningham is the kind of guy who is an all-around good player, but I do feel like Jaden Ivey is a better fit for the NBA game, and I do feel like this team may end up being a Jaden Ivey's team. And um, (laughs) there is another wrench that is thrown into this, and I'm going to talk about it in in a – well, you know what? I I think I should – no, I'll I'll talk about it later, but – Kemba Walker was actually traded to the Pistons as well this this week. So they have technically three guards. I imagine either Ivy or Cunningham are going to be coming off the bench. Walker will probably take lead point guard for at least this year and probably develop whoever's going to be the ball handler. In my opinion, I think it should be Ivy. I think Cunningham needs to go to the two. I think he's best suited there. Um, so we'll see what happens, what, what, um, what the Pistons do, but this Pistons team, honestly, on paper, you may not look at it, but if you've seen Jaden Ivey, if you've seen Cade Cunningham, if you've seen Kemba Walker, this is actually going to be an interesting team. They, they trade away Jeremy Grant. So, uh, Grant's not going to be taking the, uh, all the shots here. So this will be an interesting team to say the least. I'm actually looking, really looking forward to the uh, seeing the Detroit Pistons uh, at play here. So, okay. So in the second round, the Lakers ended up getting the 35th pick, which was the fifth pick in the second round, obviously 35th overall. Um, and I really thought they were going to go after my boy, who um, I thought was going to be in the top 30, or excuse me, the top 40 picks, uh, Orlando Robinson, from Fresno State, and we're going to talk about him in a second. But the Lakers ended up going after uh, Max Christie, a uh, two-guard from Michigan State. So Christie is a guy who has a really good shot. Um, He's essentially a 3D guy for the Lakers. That's exactly what he is. Um, He's a guy who can get really streaky, and he was very streaky, especially towards the end of Michigan State's run. Um, But um, he is a guy who has a little bit of length for a number two guy, for uh, for the two guard. Um, And uh, so he can defend a lot of uh, different, a lot of different positions. Um, And uh, he is a guy who can hit an occasional three. So I think this is a good draft pick. I don't think it was a great one. I, I do feel like there were some, maybe some better, uh, players available. Like I said, an Orlando Robinson, I felt like might be a good fit. Um, but overall, I, I don't think it was a terrible pick. I don't think it was the worst pick ever. I mean, I'm not going to go that far. I'm not going to say, oh, what the heck are they thinking? I think this is a really good pick. I do. Um, it does fill a need. Um, I just think he's a guy that I mean, he's going to be coming off the bench and he's probably not going to see a lot of time, especially this year. So it kind of, to me, is a little bit of a head-scratcher. I would like to have gone after a guy who may see more playing time, but who knows? I could be way off. Max Christie could show off uh, what he can do uh, in the uh, summer league and then in um, in the regular season or, exhibit, or preseason and then uh, regular season. So he might show a lot, and the Lakers might be like, hey, this could be our next Austin Reeves, who knows, uh, and see some more playing time. So. Um, you know, it, it for me, it was an okay pick. I don't think it was terrible, and I don't think it was the best, but it does fill a need, and uh, hopefully 
hopefully this kid gets an opportunity. I, I don't want to see a guy get drafted and then completely traded from the other team. I hate seeing I, I forgot who the who the kid was at the time that they were showing um, where he got drafted by a team. And then they were like, well, he's putting on a Timberwolves hat, but he's going to be going to the Pacers. So it was kind of like, well, why why is he putting on the Timberwolves hat? But anyway, I just hate seeing that. I just feel like it's so cringeworthy on uh, when you're watching it live when they're saying that. You're like, oh, my God, then why are you putting it on him? Like, it doesn't. And I understand that trades fall through, so they can't technically say it. But if it's basically a handshaking deal and everyone knows it's going to happen, they're just trying to figure out, you know, what the compensation is. It's a done deal. Okay, just just let him put on a Pacers hat versus a Timberwolves hat. So that's all I'm saying. So one thing or one player I did want to uh, get to um, was uh, the Fresno State player um, in Orlando Robinson. I was a little disappointed. He unfortunately did not get drafted by any team, which means he is technically a free agent. Now, if you've never seen Orlando Robinson, which I'm not, I don't think it's far-fetched to say that I, I believe that, um, you know, uh, that a lot of people are watching a lot of Fresno State games, specifically basketball. Um, they should have been better this year, uh, and they weren't. But Orlando Robinson was literally the only guy who could score buckets at times. Uh, Orlando Robinson was the most consistent player for Fresno State. When they needed a big bucket, they went to him. This guy is seven feet tall. He's got a big wingspan. Not only can he, you know, dunk the ball, he can shoot a three at any point in time, and he can shoot it from pretty far. He's taken some good shots, but he's created a really good skill, in my opinion, for a big man. He can, he can make a really good jump shot or a, a nice fadeaway here and there. Uh, now, as a seven footer, you really don't have to fade away, so he hasn't um, needed to use that as much, but. Orlando Robinson is a guy who is perfect for the NBA. He is a lengthy guy who can guard all positions. He can guard, you know, the the number one guard, the number two guard. Now, he's going to give him a little bit of space, obviously, because he is a big man. He has that length, so he can kind of give him a little bit of space. But he is a guy who can defend very well, and he moves very well. Uh, he's got a big wingspan, and he is going to be a guy that can get it done around the hoop and can get it done away from the hoop. Um, and he will move. He will set screens. He will take charges. He is a, he has, I've seen him from his freshman year all the way up to this year where he has absolutely done a phenomenal job. And one place I do want to see him, maybe it's my bias, but I think he really fits what the Lakers are doing. Listen, the Lakers have Anthony Davis I understand. But what was, why were the Lakers so successful in 2020? Don't give me, oh, they have all all the rest. Okay, yes, that helped them. They got healthy. But let's look past that, okay? Let's get past that. Let's look at what happened. They had length and they had shooters. Anthony Davis has length and is a shooter and is a good defender. What would, what would make sense to add depth to that to a guy who constantly gets injured but also is a guy who um, you if he does get injured a lot, you can kind of minimize his minutes by putting a guy who kind of plays similarly to him. 
Orlando Robinson is perfect for that. He is a lengthy guy. I believe he's actually a little bit taller than Anthony Davis. Um, he's not going to be as strong as Anthony Davis, but he is a hard worker, and I think he can get to that point. He is a guy that is not going to shy away from the basket. That's the thing that bugs me about Anthony Davis a lot is Davis is really only going to the hoop now for defensive rebounds or an alley-oop. He's not really attacking the basket. He tries to pull up for a jumper a lot. He tries to settle. Orlando Robinson is not a guy who just wants to settle. He wants to see what the defense is going to do when he backs them up. He wants to see what that happens, and he'll make the pass. It's not like Robinson just doesn't pass. He made a lot of passes. There were times where sometimes he did get a little too passive, so he will have to work on that. But Orlando Robinson would fit the Lakers so perfectly. It would be putting taking Anthony Davis out of the game and putting Orlando Robinson in, and it's basically just a little lesser of an Anthony Davis. And I tell you this, Orlando Robinson can score. He is a guy who the Lakers worked out, and he averaged 19 points uh, in in the games that they had, and he shot 35% from three. I mean, what else do you need from a guy who you're going to have on the bench? I'm not even saying Robinson's going to start, but have this kid come off the bench. It'll help you so much. I, I really think that this makes sense for the Lakers, especially when you're talking about maybe get a little lengthier in depth, uh, but uh, with this Max Christie, now you have a guy who is a 3-and-D guy. You have LeBron. You have Anthony Davis. And then you get a young big who is willing to play defense a lot more, who is willing to take a three when he gets that opportunity, and is also a guy who can go to the hoop when you need him to and is not afraid to go to the hoop. I think it makes all the sense in the world for the Lakers to go after Orlando Robinson. So Fresno State, Orlando Robinson, Los Angeles Lakers, get on the phone, work out a deal. Because I think this makes so much sense. It's almost like they should have drafted him <laughs> in the draft. But now you have an even better shot of just going after him, after him and signing him. And uh, putting him... I mean, just at least put him on the Summer League team. See what he can do. You're, you're going to be amazed, I promise. So, there you go. That's, that's where I think Orlando Robinson should go. And I think, uh, hopefully, the Lakers... They, they just worked him out two days ago. And then they traded up for the 35th pick. So at first, I really did think they were going to go after him. And that's kind of where his projection was at the time. Um, and um, we'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I think it just makes so much sense. It's almost criminal not to do it. <laughs> so, all right, guys. So I am going to take a break. I need a uh, drink. And <laughs> when we come back, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, my MLB power rankings. I have a few... Uh, discussion post that I want to talk about uh, from Major League Baseball, uh, specifically talking about San Francisco Giants. And I uh, wanted to talk a little bit about Aaron Judge. If I get to a little bit more, I did want to bring up the LIV PGA basically battle that's going on right now. So stay tuned. We'll be back. And when we come back, we have a lot more sports to talk about. All right, guys. Thank you for coming back and listening to this. So, I wanted to bring up my MLB Power Rankings, okay? Um, I've been trying to do this every week. Like I said, I missed a few weeks, but I'm glad I'm back. And honestly, <clears throat> now let me preface it by this. It's the same top five that I've had the last three weeks, okay? It's the same five teams, but 
They have moved a little bit, and I think you'll be surprised at who the number two and number three teams are, and then and who the number four team is. So, um, I have a feeling that this might be a little more controversial than normal, um, but I have my reasonings, and I will bring that up. So let's let's get into it. Number one, I have the New York Yankees. I don't think I need to discuss this any further, other than they're the first team to fifty wins. Um, they've, they're eight and two in their last 10 games. So they're obviously winning. They've been playing Houston and they just beat Houston on a walk-off. So, uh, today as I'm recording this on Thursday. So, um, and of course it's, uh, MVP caliber, uh, Aaron judge. So that'll be interesting, but we're going to talk about him later. So, I mean, the Yankees are playing super well. It's, I, I keep saying this every single week. This is one of the tougher divisions. When you talk about you have the Tampa Bay Rays, who are a decent, who are a good team. The Baltimore Orioles, I know that they're in last place, but they have 32 wins, 39 losses. I mean, they're very close to a 500 ball club, and this Orioles team is better than what they used to be. And then they're in the same division as the Boston Red Sox, who I predicted to be in the World Series this year. Uh, The Toronto Blue Jays, another team that was very popular of a pick to get into the World Series. So this is a very tough division, and the Yankees are are not only ahead in this division, but are like they're they're 12 and a half games above the second place team, who is the Toronto Blue Jays. 12 and a half games. And not only that, their run differential is crazy good. They are winning. They are plus 146 in run differential. Do you know how incredible that is? It's insane. And then it's like they never lose at home. They only they have 30 wins, only seven losses, opposed to their away record, which is a 22 and 11. A little bit uh, more understandable, of course. Going away is always harder, but the home record is just ridiculous. They haven't even lost 10 games at home yet. Played 37 of those, so. That's incredible. Of course, now I have the Los Angeles Dodgers at two. Now, I almost put the Padres at two. That's how much this Padre team is impressing me. But, first of all, the Dodgers just swept the Reds. Um, Not that huge of a thing. I don't think that was that big of a surprise. But at the same time, the Dodgers have lost Mookie Betts. Um, He's on the I.L., they lost Walker Buehler, who's on the IL. Clayton Kershaw just came back. He's not the Clayton Kershaw of old. And then Julio Arias is kind of struggling. Tony Gonsolin actually just came off of one of his worst starts that he had, and it really wasn't even that bad. Um, so this pitching rotation is kind of struggling. Uh, this lineup isn't hitting as well. I mean, Cody Bellinger is hitting eighth right now in the lineup, which is I mean, two years ago, if you said Cody Bellinger is going to hit eighth, you'd be like, well, okay, you need to check your meds because uh, that is completely wrong. So this team is is just doing nothing, but they, they're consistently winning, even though they are going through a lot, to be honest. I mean, they were just re-signed Justin Turner, and Justin Turner is not who he used to be. Luckily, the, the um, other you know players, Trey Turner is actually having a really good year. Um, Gavin Lux is starting to hit really well. Um, you know, Freddie Freeman has been hitting consistently, not consistently for power, but at least hitting, uh, for average, uh, which is kind of what they need right now. So, but I also love their run differential, which is a plus 129. So it's not as quite as good as the Yankees, 
but uh, it is a really good run differential and it is second best in the league, obviously second to the Yankees. So I feel like I have to put them at number two because they are in first place and it's still a really good NL West. Uh, talk about the Rockies, who are 10 games under 500. Uh, Arizona, who's only seven games under 500. Then you talk about the Giants, who are only five and a half games behind them. And then the Padres, as I'm going to talk about right now. And Padres are my number three team. I really like this Padre team. And it is incredible what they are doing without, um, you know, I would argue um, Manny Machado is their best player, but... So a lot of people would say Fernando Tatis, that's fine. I'm not going to argue that. And they're doing it without him. And they're doing it with so many injuries. I mean, we talk about Fernando Tatis. We talk about uh, Mike Clevinger. This guy cannot stay healthy. But every time he pitches, you're just reminded of why the Padres went after him in the first place. It's just if he could stay healthy, it would be a little more beneficial for them. Hugh Darvish is actually having a really good year this year, but he is a guy who does struggle with injuries. So I anticipate he's going to get injured at least at some point this year. Um, and then you talk about Blake Snell, who basically didn't play the first month and a half of the season and finally came in. So this Padres team is incredibly good. Um, a, a player that I did want to kind of shout out is Jake Cronenworth. I love this guy. This guy is such a utility player. They put him literally everywhere on the field and he'll play it. I mean, if they needed a catcher, I'm sure he's an emergency catcher. So, um, this and then jerks and profar. This guy always hits under like 230 every single year, and for some reason, uh, he's having a really good year this year. And you know, you don't see too many switch hitters, uh, in, in this day and age, and and uh, hit you know with a lot of power from both sides of the of the plate. So, um, you know, profar has been a nice uh, nice player for them, and. Listen, the Padres, this is this is a very interesting team. I think they have a, a very underrated bullpen, and I think that is another thing. I did think they got weaker this year in the bullpen, but this bullpen is still holding up really well. So, um, you know, good for the Padres to still be in this situation. I have them at number three. Now, I know there's probably people up in arms uh, that the New York Mets are number four, but here's the deal. The Mets are struggling with injuries, and they're not doing what the Padres or the Dodgers are doing, where they're consistently winning. The Mets are on now on a two-game losing streak, and the run differential is a plus 64 compared to the San Diego Padres, who's a plus 68 and only have one loss less. So, uh, I'm sorry, one win less, excuse me. So, this Mets team started off pretty good but is now starting to falter just a little bit. And this is kind of the New York Met team that I have uh, grown up with basically since I've been alive. Um, so they just ended a, ser- a two-game series against the Astros. They got swept. I feel like if you're a contending team, yes, you have a lot of injuries. I understand that the Mets do. Obviously, DeGrom is still out. Scherzer is out. Um, you still have Lindor, you still have Pete Alonzo, so your lineup is okay. Um, Chris Bassett, I felt like was going to was supposed to have a better year than what he's having right now. But you know, yes, they they won their listen. They lost the series against the against the Padres. They they won their series against the Angels, which the Angels right now aren't as great. The Brewers, they just won a series against them, and then they won the series against the Marlins. So these are okay teams, not great teams. And then when you face a 
a potentially, in my opinion, a top five team in the Houston Astros, and we're going to talk about them in a second. Uh, and they got swept, and they were outscored uh, thirteen to five. So that's not a recipe for success, and that's a little worrisome for me. Now they're going on the road to Miami, and I do feel like this Miami team with um, their win against the uh, Rockies this past or today. Um, they are kind of having momentum going into the series. And I feel like there is a possibility that you could see the, um, not only would the Mets lose this, this series against the Marlins, but because they're looking ahead at the Astros, but they are going to be home against the Astros. So I have a feeling that the Marlins are going to win this Mets Marlins series and uh, the Mets could end up losing or being swept by the Astros again, or at least splitting games against the Astros. So we'll see. But uh, there, there could be some turmoil here going forward for the New York Mets, and they're going to have to get out of their own way quickly. And it doesn't look good already, as I just looked at the matchup for the Mets for uh, Friday's game uh, against the Marlins, who it's Taiwan Walker, who's had an, a great start to the year, going against Sandy Alcantara, who uh, is – pitching phenomenally for the Marlins right now with a 1.72 ERA 7-2 record. So that'll be a good game, but I do think that the Marlins could pull that one out pretty easily, especially being home and coming off a win. All right, and then my number five team is the Houston Astros. Now, they just lost a walk-off to the Yankees, but, but this Houston Astro team is nothing but durable. Uh, they lose these weird games, but they are very consistent. Now, like I said, they just swept the Mets, and I'm giving them a lot of credit for that. Um, Alex Bregman just absolutely destroyed uh, a baseball in New York today. Jordan Alvarez crushed the three-run home run that looked effortless. Um, Kyle Tucker is starting to get into his own. But uh, what I wanted to talk about was the rotation. I constantly have been saying that this rotation – don't have like these big time guys or you know big time pictures, but they do have guys who are consistent. I like Justin Verlander, of course. He's he's been good. Um, Framber Valdez, minus today's outing, of course, um, has been really really good for them. He has been an absolute beast when it comes to starting pitching. Uh, Jose Arquiti, he's had a kind of a rough year this year. I really look forward to um, seeing what else he can do. But, um, you know, just those one, two, three punches right there are pretty impressive to say the least. Um, And then you talk about um, Javier. He's pitching, what, he's got an ERA of 3.07. So this is a very interesting, um, very interesting team to say the least. But, this is a team that went toe-to-toe with the New York Yankees. Yes, the Yankees scored four runs uh, in the ninth inning to win this game. Uh, so, of course, that is a little concerning. And this is what I said about the Astros. Their bullpen isn't great. Uh, they have some guys who, who can get it done, but not all of their guys are reliable. And so that's my concern with the Houston Astros. But regardless of all that, they have 43 wins, 26 losses, and they are going toe-to-toe with the best teams in baseball and just swept one of them, like I said, in the Mets. So that is my top five. Um, you know, Let me know what you guys think, if you agree with it, if you disagree with it, who you would have out. I got to say, 
Atlanta Braves were a very close number five. I almost put them in instead of the Astros, but this Astro team has still been very impressive, and I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Even though they did lose today uh, to the Yankees, I do feel like Verlander and Severino, that's going to be a good one, and I think that is a winnable game for the Astros. And then Javier versus Garrett Cole. Um, Technically, Javier has a better ERA than Cole. Cole just has a better win-loss record, so that's going to be another good one, and it's an AM game, so uh, anything can happen in those AM games. So that's why I have I have at that position. All right, so I did want to talk about um, a little bit more baseball because you know, you know, I love baseball. I gotta have my baseball up here, but um, I did want to talk about a little MVP talk. And I had a discussion with my coworker who I'm working with about Aaron Judge, and he asked me, "Do you really think that Aaron Judge can win MVP?" And I said, "If Aaron Judge continues to..." Just hit for average like he is. I mean, he's on an absolute tear right now. I mean, two days ago, he hit two home runs in one game for his 26th and 27th home run. So he's going to probably have 30 way well, well, well before the All-Star break. Um, So, and I believe I just saw he's on pace to hit 63 home runs this year, which is insane. We have not seen a 60-burger in a while. Um. I believe since 2005, uh, Barry Bonds. Anyway, um, so Aaron Judge is a guy who not only can hit for home runs, which he's incredible at, but he is a guy who is hitting through two this year. He is a guy who is hitting consistently. They are putting him at the number two spot, and he is absolutely thriving in that position. Does he strike out sometimes? Yes, he does. But as we have seen in the game now, strikeouts aren't as bad as they used to be. Now, Aaron Judge, the issue with Aaron Judge every single year is this guy gets injured every single year. And it's unfortunate because this is such an incredible talent that if he stayed healthy, he literally could have won MVP uh, any of these years that he's been in the league so far. That's how good he has been. But unfortunately, he has struggled with these injuries. Now, with Aaron Judge, they're going to have to rest him on some games because, like I said, he he does have that history of being injured. There's been a lot of talks that he may, ne- he may not uh, sign with the Yankees next year, but I don't really think he's thinking about that. I know the arbitration thing. Uh, I believe uh, Friday is the day that they're going to start talking about talking about arbitration, and we'll see what happens from there. But here's the thing for me. Aaron Judge, the way he's playing right now, I don't think he's going to sign this arbitration thing. I think he's going to opt out. I think he wants to become a free agent because he is going to get paid. He is going to get that money. Okay? Uh, Aaron Judge, if he stays healthy, and if he go, if he has one stint on the ten day IL, and let's say it lasts for twenty days, he is still going to be my MVP, no doubt, because this guy can he absolutely can hit for three hundred every single year, and he can absolutely at least hit close to fifty home runs per year. That's how special this kid is. And so, if he can stay somewhat relatively uh, um, healthy. 
this kid is going to be an amazing, amazing talent in Major League Baseball. And just because he becomes an, a free agent doesn't mean he won't sign with the Yankees. So Yankee fans, don't think I'm saying that he's he's not going to sign this arbitration because he don't want to play with the Yankees. I really think he just wants to get paid as high as he can. And if he stays in arbitration, really cannot um, get paid that high. So we'll see what happens. But Aaron Judge, my God. If he's not, I mean, if he's not MVP and he's healthy all year, I, it, something must have happened drastic because, to me, that's just unfathom, unfathomable uh, that he doesn't become the MVP. So one thing I did want to bring up, speaking of baseball, and speaking of potential uh, <laughs> uh, places where Aaron Judge could potentially end up, I doubt it. I would love it, but I doubt it. Uh, the San Francisco Giants. And um, I just actually ended up watching them uh, against the Atlanta Braves where they were ahead. Um, they were ahead going into the um, into the ninth inning. Or, excuse me, they were ahead. Um, they tied the game and unfortunately ended up losing the game to the uh, Atlanta Braves. The Braves ended up winning 7-6. to six. Um, and this was, this was crazy to me that they gave up five, Alex Wood gave up five runs in the second inning. If it wasn't for that inning, the Giants win that game easily, but because Alex Wood was having so much trouble fighting the zone or just not placing it correctly, these Braves, these, this Braves team is a good hitting team. They're obviously on a hot streak right now. This Braves team is remarkable, and uh, you have to be careful with them. And unfortunately, Alex Wood was not and ended up losing this game. If it wasn't for that, though, Jock Peterson had, had a really good game. Tommy LaStella, Tyro Estrada, uh, Darren Ruff, Austin Slater. I mean, these guys kind of got in, all got into the mix here and uh, were, were hitting really well. So this was an incredible game if you didn't get to watch it it was it was an early game so you, a lot of people probably didn't get to watch it but this was a really good game and it showed how resilient this giants lineup is it's not really the lineup it's actually the bullpen that is absolutely killing the giants and now our starting rotation is starting to die off because alex cobb is really struggling alex wood has been struggling um uh, Carlos Rodon has been phenomenal. Logan Webb has been stellar. Um, and then you talk about all the other guys. Discofani, the guy, is comes off the IL and he's still struggling to find the zone. And we have nothing but injuries on the rotation, injuries in the bullpen, and guys who we just cannot rely on. So, what the Giants need to do, as much as I want to say they need to go, if they're still in contention, I do still think they need to go after a Juan Soto uh, to get another bat. I think a Jock Peterson Juan Soto uh, pairing would be absolutely ridiculously good, and uh, would love to see it. I don't know how they're going to pull that off. I don't know what they would have to necessarily give up for a Juan Soto, but I think whoever you're going to have to get up, give up, and however much you're going to have to give up. You're going to do it if you're the Giants because not only is Juan Soto a guy that you're just going to get for half of a year, he will probably re-sign because he has been really loving the San Francisco Giants. Every, every time they come uh, into Washington or every time he comes uh, to San Francisco, uh, he is 
absolutely buddy buddy with this team. So I think he would fit right in. But not only that, the Giants are going to have to go after bullpen guys. I know Giants fans want us to go after Aaron Judge. Listen, the Yankees are not going away. They are going to be a potential playoff team. So come trade deadline, he is not going to be available for the Giants. He is going to stay a Yankee at least until the end of this year. Now, unless something, unless they just constantly are losing for the remainder of this uh, of this month, then maybe there's a potential uh, trade. But I really, really doubt it. The way the Yankees have been playing, so I really do think that bullpen is a need. I don't know how many bullpen guys are out there that are available who would the Giants would go after, but they're going to need some arms. Big time. Some veteran guys who are guys who um, will not get rattled because right now that is the issue. Jake McGee, he is one of the only guys uh, that I actually still trust. And that's scary to say because he literally has two pictures, um, a fastball and a slider. And they call it a cutter sometimes. I really think it's a fastball that he kind of like hooks a little bit more. Um, And, you know, I guess – Technically, that is a cutter, but I don't know. I, I still call it a fastball. But anyway, uh, Jake McGee is a guy who doesn't get rattled if he's given up a lot of hits uh, or a lot of runs. He's a guy that can go out there and and have a short-term memory and go out there and, and do his job. So I actually still do trust Jake McGee. Uh, I don't trust his ERA, so it is a little scary sometimes. Um, but when you throw them out, you know, to a team like the Braves who are a really good fastball hitting team, uh, it's a recipe for, for disaster for you. So, um, but Camilo Duvall, he is a guy who doesn't get rattled, but I feel like he kind of needs to a little bit. He needs to experience a little bit of, um, that anxiety of being on the mound, bases loaded, no outs. How am I going to get out of this? How am I not going to give up a run? He just doesn't really... I feel like he has gotten so uh, into his fastball that he doesn't really want to um, show you anything else. Um, and I feel like you cannot fall in love with one certain pitch. You can have a go-to pitch, but you also have to trust in all your pitches. And he is still a young guy, so he's going to have to learn that. Uh, you know, I could go down the whole bullpen. I mean, really the only guy I've I've actually been kind of impressed with was Harleen Garcia, and I feel like we use him in weird spots. Sometimes we don't use him in a good spot. Sometimes we use him in a, in a spot where we absolutely need him, and he does well. So I feel like um, he needs to get more of an opportunity at at pitching in big-time spots or, like, you know, the eighth or seventh, eighth inning uh, type type deal because he has been uh, uh, that that good for us. Uh, when it comes to those types of uh, positions. So that is uh, how I feel on all of that. So Giants needs to go for bullpen, maybe a starting pitcher, and and then I think they still need another bat. So me saying all of that, it doesn't make me feel great about the Giants' chances of getting in the postseason. Now, this postseason is an extended postseason. So there is a really good chance that they still could get end up getting in, but they are going to have to at least make two out of those three moves um, to for me to say, okay, this is going to be a playoff team. Um, but the the way that they are built, they are guys who do not um, get out easily. They're not a guy. They're not a team that strike out a ton. Um, they are a team that puts the ball in play, and that's always important. 
It's just the bullpen really needs to be shorn up because, I mean, John Brebia had a, a really bad outing. Camilo Duvall, as I already talked about, Harlan Garcia has been really good. Dominique Leon, he's just a, a lesser Hunter Strickland, in my opinion. And if you're a Giants fan, you remember Hunter Strickland. He was pretty much miserable for his most of his career with the Giants. Uh, Zach Littell is not much better. Uh, every now and then he'll have a good outing. But Sammy Long, unfortunately, he has not been pitching well. He had a really good uh, outing today. Um, but I, I'm hoping he gets better. And Tyler Rogers is something up with him. He has not been pitching well either. So a lot, a lot, a lot going on for the Giants that they're going to have to uh, to fix. So one thing I did want to bring up before I end the show here, um, there is a story out there right now that's going around about the, uh, well, it's basically PGA Tour versus the LIV. Now, uh, if you're not really familiar with it, I'm just going to do a quick rundown because there's too much thi- there's too many things that is going on that I don't really know all the ins and outs about, so I don't want to be like, oh, yeah, I know about this and then about that. But um, basically, there is a, a tour called the LIV that is coming in to creating kind of their own league and has taken uh, eight of the top ten players in golf uh, over there into some of their tournaments. And PGA came out and said, you cannot play – and this tournament, which was the U.S. Open um, this uh, this past weekend. So a lot of people were kind of up in arms about, like, why can't they just go over there and make money? But there was also people who were like, why would you go over to a league where it's funded by the Saudi Arabians who, um, you know, for lack of a better term, uh, basically are giving you blood money. So I understand the arguments of everything, but at the same time, if you're not someone who's been offered, let's say, for example, Phil Mickelson, who is uh, kind of one of the headliner guys who's going over to the LIV, I believe, probably strictly into the LIV. I don't think he's ever going to come back to the PGA. Um, but he is a guy who was offered $40 million to go and play for the LIV tour. And if that's the case, and you're crushing a guy for wanting to take $40 million everyone's like, well, it's because Phil Mickelson is, is a gambler and, and, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's, uh, you know, spending all his money on, on, on dumb things. And, you know, first of all, this is the same conversation that we've had about with Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan gambled. He would gamble on golf with his friends. He would gamble $10,000 on like a hole. Why? Because he can freaking afford it. Okay. I'm sorry. I know that Phil Mickelson, I'm not saying I like the guy. I'm not saying, uh, first of all, I don't know him, so I'm not going to say I don't like him. But, I mean, he does seem like a smug guy. He does seem like he is kind of one of those Mr. Know-it-alls. So does that sound like someone I would probably like? Maybe not. But at the same time, why do I care? Why do I care that some guy is gambling all of his money? If that's what he's going to do, that's what he's going to do. Why is that affecting me at all? And if that is the case, if that is, and there's a story out there where he owes a lot of money to these, like to some really bad guys. So he took this, this tour to, to try and pay off his debts and that's made to make him look bad. Okay. Yes. Would I do that? No, but I don't have as much money as him. Okay. So maybe I'm a little more money savvy than he is because 
I haven't had stupid money to play with. Okay. This guy has had stupid money to play with probably majority of his life. Phil Mickelson, if he is really trying to pay off debts and he's going to this LIV tour for $40 million to pay off some debts, then why are we crushing the guy? Doesn't that make sense? If you were in that same position and someone offered you $40 million, wouldn't you also do that because you have debts to pay? So I'm sorry if this kind of rubs you the wrong way, but I really don't see the issue in him wanting to pay off some debts and him getting money for it. Do I appreciate, do I, do I understand why people are a little upset that it's uh, with the Saudi Arabia who basically have killed journalists who have treated women absolutely awful? No, I, I, I understand that side of it. But what I'm saying is you've also never been offered $40 million. If someone came up to you and said, here's $40 million, I need you to just take it and go. You're you're saying you may not just, okay. <laughs> I mean, $40 million, can you believe what that would do for you? How much that would change your life? It would change it drastically. And even for a guy who's, let's say, has made $30 million uh, last year, and you get offered $10 million more, you're still going to take it. It's like getting a raise at, at your work. If your company said, hey, you've been doing a great job, we're going to bump you from you know, $30 an hour to we're going to bump you up to $45 an hour. You're going to say, even if you don't like the job, you're going to be like, maybe I should stay. You would stay because that is a huge, significant bump up in pay. That is incredible. And just because this guy makes millions doesn't mean that he still doesn't need that money or doesn't want that money. I don't see how that's a bad thing to want more money. Uh, you know, it could also, you know, benefit his family. Maybe it could uh, actually benefit um, his retirement. Who knows? But I don't understand why this is such a big deal that Phil Mickelson or Brooks Kepka or Bryson DeChambeau, you know, want to go to this league. I understand the guys who don't want to go to this league, um, but don't also tell me, well, I'm doing it for the love of the game. I play golf for the love of it. No, you don't. Because if you were playing golf for the love of the game, you would not be taking all this big time paycheck home and also getting the sponsorship money and, uh, you know, I don't know, buying a Mercedes Benz as your car or uh, a Maserati or a Ferrari, you know, you're not going to be buying those cars for just the love of the game. You kind of like getting paid. So don't give me that crap. Okay. I understand that you, some people have stances and are going to stand firm on it, but I also do understand who are people who are saying, you know what? Yeah, I make a lot of money, but I would like to make a, a lot more money, you know? So listen, I'm just saying, I don't feel like we need to kill the LIV or the players who want to go play for the LIV. I think this is so dumb. I don't think this should be a story. I think it's PGA making these stories. I think they're putting it into the media because PGA has been king. And to be perfectly honest, a lot of experts have been saying that this has been coming for a while. They knew that there was going to be a league coming up pretty soon that was going to take all their players. And now all of a sudden, because it's Saudi Arabia, they're going to be using that against all these players. But the deal is, 
PGA, the PGA knew that this was going to happen. They had the knowledge of it, and they didn't do anything to stop it. And now that it's going, and these players are flying off the shelf like crazy, now they have to make a decision. Do we let them play over there and still play over here, where we can still have, like, you know, the Masters, you know, as big of an event as it is, and the U.S. Open, and, you know, all this stuff? Or are we going to say no, hold that stance, but possibly lose a lot of money, not only endorsements, not only in viewership, but also in ratings. And that could be a huge, huge loss for the PGA. So they really are going to have to think about this. But like I said, it shouldn't matter that the players want to go play over there. I understand both sides, but here's the deal. If I were going to be asked for more money, if I were told, hey, you're going to make significantly more more money than what you have been getting i would probably take it in a heartbeat because i have two kids i have a wife that i like to spoil so i'm gonna do that and i have no shame in saying that why is it bad that i want to spend the money how i want to spend it why do i have to do what you want me to do um i should be able to spend it however i want because as much as you don't want to admit it they earn that money i'm sorry but they earn that money they deserve that money. They get paid that those big bucks for a certain reason. Just like you get paid f- where you're at for a certain reason. Okay? There's no, oh, well, I'm the best at this, but I only get paid this. It's always you get paid for a reason. Now, there are some companies that are cheap and yada, yada, yada. That's a whole nother discussion. The fact of the matter is these golf players get paid money, huge millions of dollars. Tiger Woods made the, made the sport huge. For a reason, he gets he's the first billionaire um, player from golf. I mean, that's mind blowing. He gets that money for a reason. Okay, so let's stop acting like we're holier than thou. We wouldn't take more money because if your job offered you 10 extra dollars an hour or, you know, ten thousand dollars extra on your salary, uh, I'm pretty sure you would say, yeah, sign me up. I'm good for that. Okay. All right, I'm going to get off my soapbox now, as Cody would love to say. He's probably mad that I used it. That's that's kind of his saying. But I appreciate you guys joining me uh, this week. Um, it was such a, a, a great thing to be here. I'm so glad that I got to do a solo show. Unfortunately, I do miss Cody, of course. I, I wish he were here, but, uh, you know, unfortunately, he is. he's probably still driving, actually, right now. Um, just a quick reminder, we are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and, uh, TikTok and YouTube. Go check us all out. We are Drew Code Sports Talk, except for Twitter, which we are Drew underscore code. Okay. Uh, and then go check out our YouTube channel, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, like comment on all our videos, share them to your friends. We always want to hear from you. Um, and, uh, we know that, um, you know, sometimes you can't get to all of our videos, but we do try and post these videos and try and make them as small as we can, especially if you don't want to watch maybe like a, a, a three to sometimes it can be like a seven minute video, then go on TikTok, watch our one minute clips. They're usually from the YouTube channel and it's just even more condensed. Cody does a great job of it. So go check it out. Like I said, subscribe uh, to our YouTube channel. We always and we always want to hear from you. And then go check us out on all the major podcasts. Listen to us on um, iHeart, Spotify, 
and uh, Apple Podcasts. So go check us out. Um, like, rate, and review, and subscribe. Um, and give us a review, like I said. Uh, give us a five star. Let us know what we're doing right that you like. If it's a one star, I'm still okay with that. Just let us know what, what, what you don't like, and that way we can uh, we can add or get better at doing that. Then I want to give us. Then you're going to want to go to fnxfitness.com where you can get 15% off of your whole purchase by using our promo code, which is going to be DrewCode15. FNX Fitness is, uh, they have great workout gear, great workout supplements. Um, I'm still trying to find the right uh, tank top for for myself as I need a a new tank top as I've been itching. And I also have been uh, needing my protein. They have some of the best protein I have ever had. And I'm not lying about this. Um, I've been to the GNC. They've had some good ones. But FNX Fitness, they really take the time on their supplements. So if you've never tried their supplements or you haven't had other supplements before, go to FNX Fitness. You will definitely taste and you'll see the difference so much quicker with FNX Fitness. I, I encourage you. They have they have creatines. They have proteins. They have um, pre-workouts. They have post-workouts. They have, I mean, just fish oils. They have a ton of stuff. If you're into the uh, fitness stuff and you're into the supplements, go check them out. They really do a great job with all their supplements. Um, and as I said, we are on TikTok. Please interact with us on TikTok. As I had mentioned before, there was someone who came at me on TikTok. And I appreciate it because I think that was really cool. And uh, I really love that. Um, and I love the interaction. Um, I think I'm wrong too. So I wasn't upset about it at all. Not one bit. Um, and also, we're Cody and I are going to be starting up a fantasy football league for Drew Code. Um, so if you are interested in joining this league, please DM us or uh, email us. DM you can you can DM us uh, DM us in Instagram, uh, on Twitter, uh, on Facebook. Even if you want to comment on one of our videos and you say, "Hey, I'm really interested," um, let us know, and then we'll DM you and, and we'll go from there. But please, 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 if you want to join, we want you to join. Um, we are going to have prizes. We just don't know exactly what they're going to be. There's talks of shirts. There's talks of hats. There's talks of trophies. There's talks of maybe gift cards. So we're trying to, we're trying to figure everything out. So, uh, but we are going to have a prize for winning. Uh, and like I have said every single week, I am the, uh, fantasy football champ, uh, last year. So, uh, if you're going to want to go against me, uh, then come on at us and, and, uh, try your best shot at me <laughs> anyway. So, uh, we want you guys to join, please, please, please. If you are interested, even if you're not sure, but you kind of want to get some more information, just let us know and we'll give you a little bit more information. And, and that way we can, uh, you know, we can maybe put your name into a list and, and see how many people we get. And, uh, I think we're going to try and do maybe probably more first come first serve, but if we get a ton, we may end up doing more of like a uh, who kind of deserves it more, I guess, type thing. But I think we're going to try and just do first come, first serve first. So please let us know immediately if you want to join. All right, guys. Well, that is it for me. Thank you so much for uh, either watching this on YouTube or um, – sorry, I got to fly. 
um, or listening to us on the podcast or if you're watching this on TikTok, I appreciate everything. Uh, I appreciate all you guys, um, uh, you know, listening to me ramble about the NBA, MLB, and a little bit about the PGA, kind of being on a little high of a soapbox. So I am sorry about that. But I do appreciate you guys listening. Cody will be back uh, next week, well, hopefully. Um, and he is supposed to go golfing with me on Sunday. So we'll probably have a little bit to talk about how our golf game went. We are going to be doing our first 18 hole together. So we're going to see how that goes. Um, I have been winning uh, in our nine hole games. So we will see how the 18 holes go because. You can be good at nine holes, but you got to finish a hole 18. So we'll see how this goes. But um, I do appreciate you guys nonetheless listening and letting me ramble. And uh, like I said, Cody should be back by uh, next week. So thank you guys so much. And uh, we will see you next week. Change times, rearrange them. Staying on pace, running the race. Life is a chase. I don't want to place. I want to be first. Work till it hurts. Dehydrated thirst till I'm in a hearse. Oh, high ambitions in the right mind can take you so.